Organissima New York. Your exotic skin, hair, and beauty source, and your one-stop shop for all your natural and organic skin and hair care. Featuring authentic organic Moroccan oil and prickly pear seed oil and much more. Bringing you only the best straight from the source and proudly produced in the USA. So what are you waiting for? Shop today at www.arganissima.com. Arganissima, New York. Your beauty is our beauty. Welcome back to the iHealth channel today, specifically the Sales World channel with a new guest, new show. And uh, we're going to talk sales and we're going to talk insurance and we're going to talk brokerage. And we're going to talk career paths and different types of insurance. And I have with me uh, Tom Basie, and he is actually uh, a broker, an independent agent. Uh, he has a whole set of portfolios. And for us, you know, watching today, uh, if you're interested in the world of insurance and Medicare space and uh, you know, these kind of uh, uh, in this kind of industry in general is pretty lucrative. There's opportunities and uh, we're going to talk about all the different things that that kind of make it a fabric of this and also like what it takes to be uh, licensed, what states and how does it work. So Tom has experienced it all. And again, my background is as well as some of you know me, I, I am in the insurance world and the, the managed care space specifically in sales. So I think we're going to have a very interesting discussion, Tom and I. Right, Tom? Yes, we are. I'm so grateful you're having me today. And I, I concur with you. Uh, you've got the expertise as well. So it's going to be a great conversation. Oh, we're going to have fun. <laughs> but again, I mean, listen, it's fun and informative and people can learn, you know, whether they learn if they're consumers and they want to learn about the products, we can actually talk about that and how you can help them. And if mm -hmm. they are actually either new in the industry or need some encouragement to be in the industry and uh, maybe see this as a path, that can also be a good thing. So our broker world is, uh, is large and, uh, you know, this is, you know, a, a real good platform for us to share some of the uh the, the wisdom and, <laughs> and the knowledge that we have. I mean, you and I, we've have, you know, a decent career path. Now, I know you started, Tom, in a different world before you get into the, you got into the insurance. So, so Tom, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and then we can get into your transition into the world of insurance. Sure. I'll mark about that a little bit. So actually, my undergraduate is engineering and I went to work in corporate America after finishing my undergraduate. And I worked for 15 years. Uh, at, at big corporations and telecommunications. During that time, I did an MBA part-time as well. Um, and then I actually made a transition from telecom into medical device. And so I, I have a diverse background to your point. And actually the way I got into this, I was a customer first. Somebody cold called me and described a cancer policy to me and I understood the value in that. So I purchased a cancer policy that, that protected me, my wife and my son until it turns 26. So I was a customer first. So fast forward a few years and actually now I'm five years into I'm an independent insurance broker doing a variety of things to your point. But it is kind of an it is a little unusual, but actually only a subset of people in insurance actually start there from day one. And it's great when they do. But there are a lot of people who do this as a second career. But that's me. That's how I got here. Well, well, listen, uh, it is it is glad to hear that from you because I mean, I'm happy to hear it. The fact is, uh, a lot of people, to your point, do start in the industry, and you know I'm one of them. I mean, I started. Well, I started in the hospitality, and then I kind of 
convert into the insurance space and more in the government programs. But but you know some people at any given day they sometimes want to either supplement their career with the uh, secondary uh, opportunity to uh, generate revenue, or they can just completely switch career paths and just get into the world of insurance, which is a very diversified you know uh, area. I mean it's plenty of stuff to do. I'm talking about just on the sales side. I mean there's more to it even on the administrative side, on the operations side, and there's, there's on the clinical side. So there's plenty of stuff that's that's happening. But you are, you know, you went into the producing world and, uh, you know, there are some rules and regulations about this. And, uh, you know, I, I'm familiar with them. I've been through them. I'm still part of them. I mean, I do these the renewals and all the stuff, the CEs on an ongoing basis. But based on your experience, just, you know, uh, for those people that are watching right now, what would you tell them? How hard was it? How easy was it? You know, what, can, what kind of advice you give them? Well, you know, that is a great question. And I would say in a certain way, everybody's experience is going to be slightly different. But at the end of the day, you do need some guidance. You really can't just do it on your own. So you're typically going to be sponsored. You're typically going to be at your home state and take a licensing exam. And you're really going to need to study before that. So you're going to have to understand a little bit. So I was I got on with one company in particular. They sponsored and paid for the study, you know, classwork preparation. And I took that exam. Over time, I've I, to your point, the more carriers you're appointed with, you, often you have to renew with them and understand their products periodically, and then you have to renew the license. So there is, to your point, there is periodically some testing you got to do. I will say maybe every couple of years for a given, uh, for your state, and then you can get appointed in other states as a non-resident, but, and you do have to renew, there's, there's paperwork you have to follow through. But the good news is it isn't terrible. It isn't challenging. The, the most The most difficult thing will be that first licensing exam, but most adults at least have some exposure to health insurance, like they kind of know what a deductible is, premiums and co-pays. And then you might have had some exposure to life insurance, that kind of thing, term, what is term life? But yeah, it was, but I think my message is get in with somebody who can be supportive to you, an organization that'll help you. Well, I, you know, I'd like to talk about that. I mean, because, because uh, you know, it depends. Some people start their career as captive agents. In my case, that's mm -hmm. how I started. And that's one option. And then there's, there's other companies that start to, especially in the life insurance mm -hmm. world that's that's you start as an agent or independent w9 and even in the medicare space in general you can also be sponsored in and uh, become uh, an independent broker and mm -hmm. basically you can say you know appoint with, with different states and different agencies or different companies for that matter or carriers correct and uh, now now you are appointed in primarily texas and florida right is that what we talked about earlier yes and or what i'll clarify for you texas is my home state because I am fluent in Spanish, I and because I did some things early on, I did some things through even there are whole companies. I didn't realize this. All they do is enroll employees in benefits, and so they. I, I got I was contract labor and would help companies. I'll go to different, for example, fast food places or assisted living facilities and enroll people. So I had to be appointed, for example, in Florida or California, perhaps where the headquarters of the company was, to enroll people in Texas. But I started in Texas. I'm licensed in. Florida and Georgia, Texas and Oklahoma, New Mexico, Arizona, California and Washington State currently. And that's the thing. Each any one any one state, you can often get a non-resident license. It's not that expensive. Clearly to do all 50 at once might be expensive. That wouldn't really make sense. So as opportunities arise, as I meet people and if there's problems I can solve, solutions I have for somebody, well, then I'll get appointed in a given state. But right now, those are the ones I have kind of the, the southern band of the U.S. approximately, except not Washington. Having said that, one other remark I would make, my cousin is a captive agent in Louisiana. I'm not appointed in Louisiana because my cousin's there and 
she's captive. To, <laughs> that, that, that's my mark there. But so I don't I know I'm missing on the southern portion. I'm missing Louisiana, Mississippi and, and Alabama. Otherwise, yeah, I've kind of got the southern band of the U.S. Uh, well, thank you, Tom, for clarifying that, because for some people that may be interested in joining this this world, uh, understanding that you can literally be in 50 states. I mean, mm -hmm. to your point, you have a home state which is your primary resident license and non-resident can be all the others. And a lot of call centers, for example, they get their agents to do that. Same in the mortgage world and, you know, some even real estate. Some people do different licenses for different states because they operate in different ones. But the good news is because you can operate now, especially with the on Internet and telephonic sales mm -hmm. and stuff from anywhere. And you can have customers literally from anywhere in the states. And that's mm -hmm. an advantage. So if you're thinking about this, that's an opportunity. Uh, now, if you have diversified portfolios, like in your case, you sell life and health and, you know, every, you know, uh, small business, you know, now the licensing itself may vary the type of licensing or licensure. Uh, I, I'm assuming that you have a life and accident and health, you know, level uh, license, which includes both basically the life piece and the health insurance piece. Some people even add to it, you know, property and casualty. And uh, those are other you know, pieces that people, you know, uh, sell. And, and uh, mm -hmm. I'm not sure if that, that that's the case with you, but but just for, for our audiences, I mean, there's a lot of stuff. And I did a show way back, you know, to kind of explain a little bit some of this to the folks. But since we're having a discussion today about the, the products you provide, uh, you know, just a good, you know, time to even mm -hmm. rehash a little bit some of the licensing and, you know, the opportunities there. Now, uh, if you're selling uh, with a company, as you mentioned, that your cousin, you know, that's one thing. I mean, you work for the company there, you have a salary and you have some commission structure and you mm -hmm. have targets and things like that. If you, uh, let's say you work somewhere else and you want to do this side, you know, on the side, or you really were doing this full time, you know, but you're just doing it on your own as, as an independent broker, as in your case, uh, it is a business. And some people even mm -hmm. take it to the next level where they have their own agencies and, mm -hmm. uh, or FMOs or field market organizations, you know, nationally. And basically they have hundreds, if not thousands of brokers working uh, with them and each one of those brokers will affiliate with the health plans in those particular states and uh, or, or live insurance agencies and then they basically would provide you know the services or the or sell the products of those particular uh, health plans so it's it's pretty good and 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 uh, for those that may be even you know uh, questioning you know the value financial value of it I mean, uh, especially like, let's say in your case, you and I, we talked earlier, you're a Medicare guy <laughs> and mm -hmm. in the Medicare space, you know, it's all legislated and regulated and mm -hmm. uh, the regulations in terms of compensations are pretty much, they have their own standardized, you know, rates per state for every, per, you know, uh, enrollment that you or beneficiary that you bring into the insurance world. So, and those are some other things. Now, now you're primarily, as you said, in Texas, but, but now you also are promoting in Florida, and, yes. and of course, like you said, the southern corridor of the states, minus mm -hmm. states, but but that's pretty good. I mean, you know, some people on the East Coast, they do like anywhere from like Boston to New York and Jersey, and some people go further down. Some people actually mm -hmm. are in Florida, and, uh, you know, and these are all, you know, very happening places. Um, and again, you mentioned something about small business, you know, mm -hmm. that's big. Uh, a lot of people don't know how to go about insurance to insure their, their staff. I mean, we all need insurance. I mean, we live in, in a, you know, in a, in a, in a world uh, where we need insurance. I mean, you can't mm -hmm. possibly, the cost of healthcare is expensive. And there is there are different levels of insurance, you know, that you can get. Uh, you, we, you and I, we had the conversation time earlier about not doing the ACA. You're not the actual exchange, mm -hmm. you're not doing the Obamacare type or... Uh, 
you know, that's that's the Affordable Act. You're not doing that, but but you're doing everything else, which will be basically small business, the Medicare, Medicare, you know, the Medigaps or supplemental insurance, and also right. life insurance. And that's pretty right. good. You know, uh, what I loved about it is that you got introduced to this. I'm sure when you were for the corporations, you had insurance through your employer, but then you also purchased stuff for you. You, you said cancer policy. Is that correct. what I got? That is correct. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to ask. I mean, I'm assuming that was just, a, uh, you know, as a, as a pro pro you know protective you know measure, like you know, just professionally. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Thank so can I let me mark a little bit about that since you said yeah, that. Please, so yeah. when I bought there, there's some new stats. When I bought it, I didn't know these stats. What was obvious, what, what was presented to me is, hey, cancer is likely, cancer is expensive. So really, at the end of the day, all risk insurance is, it's, I'm sorry, insurance really risk management. And so I felt like, you know what, there is a probability. I personally hadn't had a diagnosis in my family. There were some. So it appealed to me. I said, you know, and it was a it was a pretty small premium. I don't remember the exact number. I'm going to say 20 something bucks a month. And for that relatively small premium, I was younger at the time. The younger you are, the, the you know, the, the cheaper these things are. So we bought that. And if there was a diagnosis, then boom, I was going to get some money for that. And that was that. So I'm protecting my other money, the the my 401k and savings and protecting it. What I would offer you now is the numbers are well, actually, all numbers are difficult post COVID, right? Our numbers are challenging to track. So but it was like one out of three guys or ladies are going to get a cancer diagnosis of some sort in the U.S. That was a number saying 2019, one out of three. And of those, now there's some good news in here. The most common forms uh, for guys is prostate and for ladies is breast. That's not as good news, but the good news is actually the survival rates are 97%. So that's good. But the average cost of those things is going to be about $20,000. So one thing I might say is, well, there's a one in three chance you're going to have a $20,000 medical event. The next one, the next ones, I don't know the exact uh, survival rates are not as good, but the next common for both of those people are colorectal, for example, and those cost more. And then the third one is is, is a lung. And so those cost 50 and 60K. So the reason so it's so statistics are the reason I got into insurance, if you will, because those statistics were presented to me and I wanted to do something to kind of protect myself financially. So it's a financial decision. Wow. Well, to be honest with you, it's funny. I mean, uh, I, I've, I've one of the shows I had mentioned there that we have almost everything, every kind of insurance out there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I have not actually heard before there is specific specific policy for cancer. And actually, I learn every day. And, you know, like I said, I've been in this industry long enough. I mean, I know if you have a regular policy and you get sick, that's one thing. But to your point, to buy something that is specifically as a separate, you know, uh, package just to cover in those eventualities. Uh, that's news. I mean, not news, but I mean, I'm, I'm not surprised, but I know that there's mm -hmm. something for everything, but that's actually great to hear. And, and well, yes and no. Great is, is a matter of spe speaking here because right. I'm not talking about the actual diagnosis itself. Mm -hmm. I'm just talking about the ability to have something available to you as a consumer mm -hmm. that, that can protect you or your loved ones. Uh, but obviously, the, the even the premise of and you know thinking about cancer is something that we try to avoid and talk about and think about. But but you're right; it's close to everybody. I mean, my dad passed on, you know, with with cancer, you know, as 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 a uh, illness. I have a lot of other folks in my family that actually had you know uh, cancer, and uh, you know some survived, some didn't. My ex-wife actually passed out of cancer. So so I can tell you, I mean, it, it no one can tell you that is they're very immune to this. And mm -hmm. anyone, right. and, and so, so the idea of having an additional policy to mitigate that, you know, risk, and to your point, even protect your assets, 
because mm -hmm. if you wind up in a hospital stay, whatever, you know, all these treatments, I mean, you can lose your shirt. I mean, uh, your house, eventually your savings. And, you know, as we age, that's another you know, value that we have to always consider. I mean, yeah. there will be a day where you're not going to be working full time. You need that extra income. And if you tap into those resources, then that's the end of it. And a lot of people sometimes get, you know, wiped out with this and that's not a position anyone wants but so i i do appreciate the fact that you mentioned that and uh and, and that was smart actually <laughs> the one the, the fact that you bought it now that leads me to the question uh how affordable was it or how affordable is it today well let me offer a couple different things number one uh there are cancer specific policies and as you know this can depend whether you're 30 40 or 50 it gets more expensive um, I could, and it, these things can vary also by where you live. So it's a little challenging for me to get and say number. What I would, I would say it is affordable. Like I'm going to say less than 50 bucks. If you're, if you're under 50, you can get one for less than 50 bucks. And I'm going to say, I'm going to estimate for 20 or $25,000. So they are affordable plans. So, so I like that. Having said that, there's an interesting alternative as well. So you can get life insurance policies. And the thing that's, those are funny name life insurance, because really a traditional life insurance policy pays once the life is over. It's when you pass away, you know, it's to, it's to protect your family. You need you need to pay, pay for a, off a mortgage or kids, but you can actually get some that they have living benefits. So you can pay it, so you can buy a life insurance policy. So maybe you buy one for half a million dollars, whatever it is to cover your existing mortgage, some kids, education. Then you can actually add a rider on for living benefits. So if a diagnosis, because all these are contingent upon a diagnosis, you have to get a letter from a doctor. This person has been diagnosed with lung cancer. Once you have that, then they will pay. So you can actually add one on there. And so then the cost to, comes a little bit even more challenging to say, because maybe you're paying $150 for a, a $500,000 policy, but maybe for $10 more, you can get a, a, a living benefits uh, cancer specific rider. So the good news is it can be scaled to your budget, like all insurance, really. Well, I appreciate it. I mean, again, I, I have, uh, you know, I'm not a big expert in commercial insurance and, and, and this is what we're referring to right now. And actually that's, that's knowledge that, that we should all gain. And, and yes, I mean, I love the idea. I mean, life insurance, I mean, I, I did get licensed a long time ago, but I never actually went into the space, mm -hmm. uh, but you're right. You can add different riders to those specific policies that do a lot for living benefits, but, but it really, to your point, whether you buy it as a separate, you know, policy or as a rider, at least it's available to you. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, it, it can save a life it literally, I mean, you know, from, from disaster and from chaos and from losing, uh, you know, your life savings and your assets. And, and a lot of these, and I've had different shows we've talked about with, with doctors and some, some specialists out there. And we've talked about like the cancer, you know, as, as just a, a problem and, and an issue and illness. Uh, it is not cheap to to uh, contain. It is not cheap to treat, and most of the hospital systems, uh, if you go to specialty hospitals, they they don't even take regular insurance, so it's self pay, uh, and that's where it gets very pricey. Now these policies can give you a cash out, and you can pay for those bills, and hopefully you know you come on. Now we we sometimes money is one thing, obviously the ultimate thing from here. We are a health channel, and uh, you know today is just the sales world piece of it. But the idea is we w wish everyone to be healthy and we want you to be healthy. And uh, most of our programming is for you to be healthy. But at the same time, you know, having insurance is something, again, that's the word insurance. You you have assurance <laughs> that you're not going to have problems, right? And you insure your your assets, your your health and all the stuff to make sure that you have some sort of a protection. Um, 
But so I love that, Tom. Thank you for, for breaking that down to us. Uh, now, that's not the only thing you do. And when you talked about small business, you know, so basically you, you provide policies for these companies that may have maybe 10 or less employees or maybe 40 or less employees. Is that what we're talking about? Yes. And it gets a little it gets a little bit more complicated than the Medicare discussion because the Medicare is kind of either an advantage plan or the Medicare supplement drug plan. There are a variety of different things. To your point, within the small group and I can offer some solutions, depending on what state I can offer a health insurance policy for companies as small as three. And then I can offer these supplemental benefits, for example. And I would encourage everybody, if you're, if you're getting your health insurance from your employer right now, check. They may have these. Sometimes you can get an additional cancer policy or a critical illness policy, which is for heart attack and stroke. That's another one. Sometimes you can get those. And those, as you might imagine, there's a group rate. It actually costs less. And then often those are portable. So potentially, if you're at your employer, see if you can get a cancer. So next year, in the fall, when it's in open moment time, take a look at that next time. Get yourself a cancer policy and or critical illness policy. Size it to your liking, um, 20, 30, 50 bucks a month. And then often look and see if they're portable. That means potentially if you even leave that company, you can continue. You know, as long as you'll continue paying that rate, you've kind of locked in their group rate. So typically it's a good buy. But so, yes, I can I can do small group solutions for for health insurance uh cancer, critical illness. The one thing I can do there that I can't do for an individual is actually short-term disability, which is another thing to consider for any of these. Short-term disability, literally, if you can't work for three months or six months, how are you going to pay the, the electric bill or get food on the table so you can get a policy? I don't have that for an individual, but for some of the cures I'm appointed with, I have that, for example, through their the work. And so I can offer that for a small company, small as three. Well, well th thank you, Tom, for for. I think that, that that's another thing. You talked about critical care, such as, you know, heart attack and strokes and things like that. Mm -hmm. That's also, that's more common. <laughs> People yeah. actually have those a lot more frequently and it could be to anyone. Uh, mm -hmm. And uh, again, same cost. You wind up in hospital if your insurance is not, if the deductibles are high. That's what we're, we're using some terminology here, deductibles. I mean, that's the amount that you have to pay before insurance kicks in. And sometimes mm -hmm. those can be very <laughs> exorbitant. These are high numbers, mm -hmm. especially depends on your stay and where you are and what kind of state you have, and what hospital and so on. And to your point, what state, all this, you know, uh, varies. And, uh, you know, again, it's it's good to know. And I, I was not even clear. I know about like this, the, the short time disability and things like that, where they come to your office and you can have an Aflac. And, and there's so many companies that are provide them. Mm -hmm. but, but I wasn't aware that we could actually get an additional rider on some of these policies for these critical care insurances. And, and that's good to hear. I mean, again, I know it's short to share with people and I always learn. And I love this company. <laughs> this is the best part mm -hmm. about doing this. And uh, it's important, you know, to, and I love to share this with everyone because I think anyone out there listening, watching may one day need this or may know someone who needs it. So mm -hmm. uh, everybody that we talk to, uh, the more we know, the more we can help others. Mm -hmm. so, so you talked about short term uh, disability. Now, again, mm -hmm. that's when someone, you know, for whatever reason, they get an accident, they can't work for a smaller period of time. And therefore, you know, you get past your PTOs and your holiday pay, whatever, now you're on your own. And uh, to your point, you're not getting paid. And so this this policy usually can compensate you at a percentage, right, of, of, of your salary. Can you tell us more exactly. about that? All right, I will describe to you that you, you did a good job there in itself. But so there's a few different parameters. So like I said, tailor one or size one for you in your, in your work environment. If you can get one, you can say, often to your point, you can't get 100% of your income. Often I'm going to use the number 60%, or maybe to make it easy to calculate 50%. So you can get between 50 to 60% of your income, and you can dial in, I want the three month, the six month, 
you can go nine to 12 potentially, but the most common are a three month or six month coverage. And then the other thing is, well, how soon does that kick in? You can say, well, it says seven days. If I know if you're out three days, that doesn't kick in, but you can set it up and say, well, it's out if I'm out seven days or 14 days. And of course, the longer you wait, that'll drive the cost down. In other words, if, if you're running, if you want it quicker, they're going to charge you. It's going to drive your premium. But at the end of the day, you can say, I need to have this because I'm, if you're the only breadwinner in the house and you got to pay the food and you got to pay the rent, and you got to pay that. And, and if you're bringing that in, what are you going to do if you can't work for three months, six months? So yes, it's a good insurance policy and, and you can dial it in and you can say, all right, well, seven days, nobody but once I get four, I can wait 14 days, but after 14 days, I got to have this pay. And so they, they call it elimination pay period, waiting period. And so you can size one, but that's what it is. It, it allows you to pay a monthly premium again. And all these, I'm telling you, all these are pretty small. If you get a standalone policy, it won't cost you that much for any one of those. Now it can all add up, but I'm a proponent of whichever things you're worried about. Can you size some of these and get some that will make you feel better, make you sleep at night or know that you're covered adequately? Thank you, Tom, for, for that. And so I do have a question that some people may ask. I mean, a lot of people are sometimes, uh, skeptical on, about insurance and or they think that you know there's a gimmick there's a catch uh, i know you've heard some objections and some of the folks you know they question things like well how does it work what can we tell people to ease their mind i mean i got a policy uh how guaranteed you know my, my policy is is it gonna pay am i gonna have my my uh you know uh pre whatever cost you know covered am i gonna have challenges and authorizations and things like that so those are some of the typical things that you hear in insurance, right? You know, people buy a policy and they don't get exactly what they were promised. Now, again, we're in the sales channel. So people always mm -hmm. question salespeople, unfortunately. And mm -hmm. we just want to ease their mind and make sure that they understand that, you know, uh, if we do our job correctly and we share you know, the right, you know, uh, information with people, we inform them, we educate them, uh, and we give them all the, the necessary things that they should, you know, keep somewhere safe so they can bring that out when they need it. That's the other thing. Mm -hmm. You have to keep your records and everything and make sure that you have your notes and documentation. Don't lose it because in case you need to debate this, you have it. But you shouldn't be able to debate your policies. If you have them, they should kick in when it's appropriate. So, Tom, what would you say about that? Well, I'll make a couple of remarks. Number one, I used to, for one, understand insurance. I worked in corporate America, like you were describing. So I kind of just picked something at the end of the year. And I don't, I didn't even know what HMO versus PPO. And I barely knew what deductibles, but I needed some. In fact, I didn't know how to get out of corporate America because I didn't know how to get insurance otherwise. So that was another reason why I'm in this is kind of through trying to educate and solve the problem I got into this. But bottom line is, I'm a proponent of using big companies, reputable companies. They are rated, they are regulated. And if you think about it, every agent, we talked about the licensing they are licensed, they are regulated as well. And so there's always bad apples in any industry, right? So there are, there, but at least there are regulations in place to try to minimize those, to discourage bad behavior. What I never really realized is an insurance policy, it is a contract. It is a legal contract between you, the insurer, and that insurer. And admittedly, I understand, like there are horror stories and companies don't want to pay. Of course, they're more profitable, but I'm telling you, they've they each policy, they have to get approval from the state they're offering it in. And so they do want to, they want to treat the people. Well. In fact, some of them even want to like publish how much they've paid out because they want to kind of illustrate, look, we do take care of people. So it's a balance there that they're uh, they're working to achieve. But I like to use large, reputable companies. Uh, I like them. And then you meet them, you meet the agent, meet the broker. It doesn't matter if they're captive or uh, independent. Well, can you take a look at them? Can you listen to the way they talk? Do they make a good impression of you? Can you look online? Everybody has a license. You can look them up and see. So the good news is, it's regulated. 
Uh, they really are. It, it, they're going to go out of business, right, if they don't pay their claims. And so as a general, they want to play claims and they kind of want to brag. There, there are horror stories and sometimes horror stories are true. Inevitably, something that happens. But what I offer is get, you've got a contract, whatever policy you have. Now, unfortunately, yeah, it's, it's 16 to 30 pages long. But the good news is for a given policy, it's kind of regulated with the state. They've kind of said it'll have all these different things in here. It'll, it'll, it, they have to tell you the deductible. They have to tell you the exclusions. So take a look at that, you know, but know before you need it. But the, I would, I, my message is I'm reassuring you, deal with a large reputable company and a professional agent or broker, and you're going to be in pretty good shape. That's my message. Well, thank you, Tom. And, and I just want to add to that. I mean, I appreciate the fact that you talked about the uh, the regulation and the scrutiny and uh, that the agents have to go through. Again, you know, you, you, you have to go to courses, you have to go to state license and, uh, you know, you're, you're on record, you have the fingerprints are there. You cannot have anything bad, you know, in your uh, in, in your closet, if you want to call it that way, you know, mm-hmm. in order for you to be able to producing because you do actually do, uh, we do home calls, house calls, things like that. So there's a lot of stuff that the insurance agents have to go through in terms of uh, just regulation. Now, again, that doesn't say that, you know, to your point, there are bad apples here and there, but that's that's the minority. That's just the minute number compared to what these folks are doing. And the other thing that I want to just, you know, ease up people about is that uh, the fact of the matter is when you are selling multiple policies, you're not locked into one policy. So you usually have enough diversified portfolio that meets everybody's needs. So you don't really have to go crazy as like you just push one product, you know, and, and shove it down to somebody's throat and try to pitch them and, and over pitch them. You don't have to do that. And so there is enough product out there for everyone. To your point, Tom, uh, if you have a good representation of, of, of large companies, reputable, that have been existing, a lot of these companies have existed for, you know, at least half a century, uh, you know, and they know what they're doing. They've been around. They uh, and, and that's the other thing. Uh, it's. All these companies are regulated by the Department of Insurance, the Department of Health. Some of them are through CMS. Some of them, are, you know, I mean, state, you know, state, federal, you name it, they cover it. You know, so it's not like in this audits all the time. And uh, of course, contracts are contracts. So you have to do due diligence. And what uh, you have everything, you have the right of appeal, you have the right of grievances. So there's a lot of stuff to protect you as a consumer, as a client. And also from the flip side, if you are on the on the agent side or you want to get into this business, I think this conversation should make you feel good that you're going to go through all these processes and be very reputable and professional in what you do. And you're going to deliver and help and assist people to live a happier life, at least be with a good conscience. Because when you have a policy and you know you can rely on it, you know, and you know that your assets, your kids, your family, everybody's protected, you know, everybody wants that, you know. And even if you're single, you don't have a family, you have to worry about yourself and your assets personally. So there's no loss in this game, right? It's all good. Um, so thank you, Tom, for actually sharing that. I just wanted to add that piece there. Now, now let's talk about the Medicare world. Okay. <laughs> now, that's a whole different animal. And, you know, uh, you know, if you don't mind, like, if you can just break down a little bit to the eligibility and, and the different products that you have under the Medicare, you know, uh, space. Sure. So I didn't know what Medicare was and what I would offer to everybody that's under 65. The good news, there is a solution for you. In other words, I didn't know how I was going to get insurance. I didn't know how I could retire. Once you turn 65 in the U.S., there are some exceptions, but approximately if you're a U.S. citizen and you turn 65. Now, if you're if you're uh, you can get on earlier, for example, if you're permanently disabled after four months, you can get on this. And if you're not a U.S. citizen, but if you've lived here five years, there are ways you can get on. But basically, You've already often they're taken out of your paycheck, that FICA tax. People don't like that. Well, that's for Social Security, which is kind of like your income for when you retire and then Medicare, which is kind of your health insurance when you retire. So 
Part A, which is hospitalization, is typically already paid for. Part B, everybody's mad because it went up $30. This, this, for the first time in a long time, it's gone up a lot, but still it's 170 bucks a month is what most people cost. It's the standard premium. It's not bad. For, so for 170 bucks a month, you've got Medicare, Part A and Part B from the government. Now, that's pretty good. It's not great, though. Number one, it doesn't cover drugs, so that's a problem right there. And then also, there's no out-of-pocket maximum on these things. So potentially, I don't want you to go to the hospital. I don't want you to have health problems. But if, you, if you're in all the time, there's, it'll just keep adding up during the year. There's no out-of-pocket max. So what I endorse is people should do one or two different things once they get Medicare. They should either get a Medicare supplement. And when you hear that term, Medicare supplement or, or Medigap, that still doesn't cover drug coverage. You need to get a Medicare supplement and a drug plan. And that's the traditional thing that people did uh, since 65 when Medicare came in. Almost immediately, su supplements were available. So you do that. And if you do that one, then you have better interest in almost everybody. That is, for example, the G plan is the one's available that has the most thorough coverage. If you get a G plan and a drug coverage, you'll have very little out-of-pocket costs. Between Medicare and the supplement, it'll cover almost all your costs. So it's very good coverage. Now, that will cost you $100 and something dollars more a month. But so maybe we're talking 300, 300 and something dollars if we're talking 170 for your Part B and then another 100 and 120 for your supplement. But it's very thorough coverage. Most people pay more than that in corporate America, and they still have that big deductible. That is, they have to pay two, five thousand, whatever's before their insurance kicked in. So it'll it'll have very little deductible on it, and the drug coverage includes. So I like that. Or you can do the Advantage plan. The Advantage plan would say around the new millennium, those are available. Confusingly, those are Part C. Uh, but what I like about them, for one thing, it is highly regulated. I'm telling you, everything you hear on TV, I believe, about Advantage plans is true because highly regulated that is potentially you can get from any one of those major carriers you can potentially get a zero dollar plan and it will have some it'll supplement uh your uh medicare it'll have drug coverage include provide you some vision some hearing some dental maybe some uh, after operation meal maybe it'll have some transportation maybe it'll have a personal emergency response maybe it'll have the coveted part b give it's possible all that's available there's some things they don't tell you, though. If you go to the hospital, it will cost more than on the Medicare supplement. In other words, you may pay, I'm just using the number, $300 a day for the first five days, and then it'll drop to zero. And there's an out-of-pocket max on these things. And so my point is, if you go to the hospital on advanced plan, you're probably going to hit your out-of-pocket max because hospitals are stay expensive. So you may be out $4,000 or, or whatever that out-of-pocket max is. If you have a PPO, which allows you to go out of network, you may have a $12,000 out-of-pocket uh, out max. But my message is, which one should you do or which one should your loved one do? The one you should do is the one you feel most comfortable with. Our jobs are merely just to explain how they both work and let you understand. People ask me, they'll say, which one should I get? And I and what I tell them is, well, ma'am, if I had a crystal ball and I knew whether you're going to the hospital this year or not or in the next five years, then I could tell you. But since I don't know, I'm not sure. But what I want you to understand is how these work. So another way I might say is pay me now or pay me later. So Medicare supplements kind of a pay me now. And Medicare Advantage is kind of a pay me later. But but they're, we, since we don't know, I can't tell you, one is not necessarily better than the other. I just help you understand how they work. And I think you should get the one that you feel better with. If you're very price conscious, I like the Advantage plan because they really are. They have a lot of those bells and whistles for $0 a month. I just want you to, I don't want you to get mad at me because then you'll switch when you get that bill for $4,000 when you go to the hospital. So I, I'll tell you up front. But I do like the bells and whistles of the Advantage plan. But I like the thorough almost no out-of-pocket cost for your care of the med set. You, I just explained it to you, shop them in your, you tell me which one you're more comfortable with. That's the one I want you to know. 
Thank you, Tom, for, for that. And I just want to add a couple of things. So, so yeah, for Medicare Advantage, I mean, first of all, MedSaps, as you said, you know, it's covering basically all your gaps, <laughs> as it sounds, right? You have your 80%, they cover the 20%. You have your co-pays, deductibles, it covers, plus it gives you additional benefits, you know, in, in to your point, the Plan G. But, you know, if you go to, you know, some people prefer to do that. They have enough, you know, money. They can afford mm -hmm. to have $300 policy a month, and they're good. Uh, but let's say you live in an area that is metropolitan, and you have pretty much all the hospitals and the doctors, and the providers in a network uh, and you don't have to worry about going out of network because I think one of the things that's beneficial when you stay with MedSubs and, and, and Medigaps uh, is that you can go anywhere to any doctor mm -hmm. and pretty much every that accepts doctor Medicare. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Except Medicare. And so therefore that it gives you that flexibility. But but, you know, we all know that when you're in Medicare, you typically have a doctor or a couple of doctors that you you, you love, that you have a relationship with. And you don't want to keep bouncing from doctors and that's not even the right way to care for yourself because we want preventative you want a doctor you probably care to know your stuff if you have a cardiologist you want them you know to stay with you and sometimes some some of these uh opportunities why people keep the medicaps because they might have let's say in, in the case of us in the northeast you know we have people that are snowbirds they travel to south you know to florida mm -hmm. and therefore they need to continuously have coverage while they go there and sometimes by being locked into a network you might have the coverage continue, you know, the continuity in, in another state. However, uh, there are policies that do that, and some plans do have, you know, snowbird benefit packages, things like that. Mm -hmm. But if you have the cost and you have the network and you have everything, and your prescription is covered and the formula really looks good on the plan side, you don't have to, to, to spend three hundred dollars when you can just pay zero because most of these plans are premium free. Yeah. <laughs> when yep. I say premium, no, no premium. The word free is frowned yeah. upon, you know, and there are the regulations. So let's be clear. <laughs> so we don't say free because it's not free. Somebody's paying for it. But the fact of the matter is, you know, when when you have a med advantage, you are kind of covered. And as long as your doctors in network, everything is covered. You should not have, you know, very high uh, copays. Uh, some of these copays, for example, to go special is twenty dollars, fifteen dollars, thirty dollars. Mm -hmm. Still low, and uh, and it's not a big deal because you're not paying for the actual premium or anything. And most of these don't even have deductibles, maybe on a Part D. So, and it varies. To your point, there's hundreds, literally hundreds and hundreds of plans, and 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 every state has plenty of plans to choose from. And you also can visit the the centers for Medicare and Medicare uh, services sites. Uh, and they do have plan advantage, you know, Medicare Advantage plan comparisons, and you can also select there. Uh, but the best way to do this, because I mean, and I've seen this happen when people go to the CMS site, they try to figure out on their own, they get lost. Believe me, we do this for a living and it can be very confusing. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. so the best way I do recommend people to always, you know, uh, reach out to a broker or an agent such as Tom and, and have a sit down with them, kitchen table, whatever place of your choice. And, and go over all the options you have. He has all, he can give you that, he can give you that. That's the advantage of having a broker. You have all options in front of you. You have to determine what's gonna work for you financially, uh, you know, access wise and so on and so forth. And if you like what you hear, then you pick the policy. He'll be more than happy to give you that policy. That's usually how it works. It's not as complex, but it's less convoluted than if you were to do it on your own. So for listeners, viewers, if you are in the Medicare or you have a, uh, someone uh, of Medicare age or, and you know that's going to the Medicare, uh, know your options and pick correctly. See if you can get the right you know broker in front of you. Again, we have Tom here. You can reach out if you're in one of his states. He, he's definitely the man. But 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 really, this is how it works. So it's 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 a little bit you know 
complex. And by the way, there's other pieces that add to it. Sometimes you have long-term care, and we're going to talk about in a minute. And that can also feed in into what your policy is and can add up to your Medicare and stuff. Some people may have low income overall, therefore they fit in the Medicaid category and, uh, and the Medicaid levels. So now they actually uh, get in an additional insurance policy to, that ties in and they become dual eligible for Medicare, Medicaid. And as I said, if they need uh, long-term care services, they might even add a long-term care component. There's so many combinations here that can help you and make your life a lot easier. You can have home care, you know, resources, you can have to your point purse, the emergency system, you know, a necklace, I fell, you know, I can't get up type of thing, press the button. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's so many things, you know, that can do for you. And you also, one thing important in, in the managed care that you may not have, for example, on the uh, uh, MedSubs, is that uh, with Medicare and MedSubs, you have a policy, uh, basically it's another card that pays the difference. But when you have MedAdvantage, you have also a clinical team behind the, 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 the process, mm -hmm. meaning that you have a care manager, somebody, there's clinical, you know, folks, doctors, and they also kind of gauge in your needs based on if you have, uh, you, you need to switch medication, you need to do this. It's a little easier on that side because on the flip side, you will still be able, you will have to make your own decision on your own because you only have is the policy, but you don't have a team of expertise behind it. And that's the difference because I always refer to Medicare and Medicaid as just credit cards for care. <laughs> you know, uh, it's prepaid credit cards, you know, for your 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 healthcare. But really, it's not really giving you the rest of the things that you need for your healthcare, which is the care itself. And managed care is about that. Again, I endorse managed care. Obviously, that's my industry. But but overall, we have all these options, and there is a little bit for everyone to everyone. So you pick your pick, and the best way to do this is do your due diligence, ask a, a, a broker or an agent that knows the business, and they can guide you correctly. So Tom, yeah. now- One thing I would offer is, I, I want you to be a judge for your audience. Uh, you mentioned a couple of things that I think, I want you to decide if, if we wanna cover them, because you, you know your audience. Uh, you talked about long-term care, but you talked about Medicaid. Some people get the Medicare and Medicaid confused. So I don't want to bore the folks, but it might be something to consider. And then you talked, there's the whole DSNP and, and veterans, and those subsets of Medicare, Medicare populations, which are the dual eligibles and the veterans. So I'm kind of just throwing out their potpourri. You tell me which ones you want to talk about. There's some things we might want to talk about there, or we might want to move on to long-term oh. care. I just wanted to, I didn't want to gloss over those since you mentioned that. No, Tom, I, I appreciate that. So, so let's just clarify. So again, I throw in the Medicaid that probably throws off people. But so Medicare, as you said, Tom, is you get to it by, by virtue of working, you know, a certain amount of time of your life at retirement at 65, you qualify. Or if you have disability over 24 months, you qualify. Those are your options to get your Medicare. The Medicaid part is is only for those folks that have a certain poverty level uh, that is deemed by resources and income. And therefore, that's through the state. You know, most of the states have a Medicaid program. So one is in income and resources. And one is really just, you know, investing in your health and over time through your FICA, uh, you know, uh, taxes. So, or your social security taxes. And by the way, that is administered through social security. So Medicare, social security and federal, the other one is state. So just, that's another way to compare them. And again, the, the long-term care, there's two pieces. There's the long-term care through the Medicaid pool, and there's the long-term care through a private policy or commercial policy. I think that's what you do, Tom, right? Correct. So I, I hope that clarified a little bit. <laughs> yes. Uh, do you want to talk about veterans also? That's one of their subpopulations. So you, you remark, actually, let me say this. So if someone is on Medicare and Medicaid, there are some what I call supercharged advantage plans. And so one thing to your remark, these state administered financial system things. So somebody is hard up for money. They got challenges. 
they can get advantage plans like we hear all the time, but they're supercharged. Instead of, instead of giving you one or $2,000 worth of dental coverage, they're often it will cover dentures on a, on a dual plan. So if somebody has, is, is, or they will often get a fresh food card. They, so, so if they're challenged to get food, they can get a card and you, you, they'll, they'll recharge it a little bit. Maybe it's 200 bucks a month or a quarter. So my, my message is sub, uh, it's a population that I like to serve as well. So it's low income. If they are both Medicare and Medicaid, there's some supercharged advantage plans for those people. I wanted to say that. And, and, no, Tom, I appreciate it. And you mentioned DSNIP, which basically uh, that's dual special needs plan. Mm -hmm. And uh, again, those are the, that's the, just the acronym that describes these plans. And there's other varieties and, you know, we can spend hours just breaking it down. I mean, there's chronic mm -hmm. SNIC plans and there is, you know, those are for specific IVs, HIV and so on and so forth. So there's this ISNIP institutional, you know, uh, special needs plans. Those are specific demographics that that you know plans for specific you know uh, illnesses or conditions mm -hmm. and they operate the same way but it's still under the realm of medicaid and medicare together mm -hmm. so you have to have both in order for you to qualify not everybody on medicare has medicaid not everybody on medicaid has medicare but some people mm -hmm. have both and when you have that we call it the best of all, all worlds of both worlds and to your point you can get some supercharged business there and a lot of benefits supplemental benefits in addition uh, and and you mentioned something very powerful there, which we didn't you alluded to, and we'll talk about in a minute. Which is veterans. There's Tricare. There's other things for them. And, and I'm not sure if you want to go ahead and, and, and talk about that. I'd like to share a little bit. Yeah, so I, so number one, I, I want to say two things. Number one, about everything you said so far, I got into Medicare because someone came to enroll my mother-in-law. So even I was already in kind of the insurance space. I didn't know what Medicare was. And so my message is. Not only do the parents or grandparents don't know, the kids don't know. So I think it's good for the whole family to understand. So find out what your parents or grandparents know. So you, you don't want to know if they have an advantage plan or med sub so you can help provide input on their care, their capacity. On the veterans, what I would offer is, yeah, if there are people, TRICARE is kind of like Medicare. That is, it's once they're retired, there's good benefits that they have. And often they're pretty thorough. However, I do find that vets kind of have advantage uh, plan envy because they see the stuff on the TV and they don't get all the stuff that's there. And so... There are a series of plans. I won't mention the carriers, but I'll mention the name of their plans. One carrier has a plan called Patriot. One has a plan called Eagle. One has a plan called Honor. And those are Medicare plans that are designed to play nice with the TRICARE. So if you have your uncle or your grandparents that, that say, no, no, I, I can't get that. Yeah, it sounds right. Actually, there are some plans that will play with their benefits. And they'll do things like it'll be a zero-cost gym membership, for example, or it'll allow them to find a dentist maybe. Like, so. The VA, sometimes you hear horror stories both. Sometimes it's great. Sometimes they take care of everything someone needs. Sometimes it's a challenge to get in. So maybe maybe these veteran benefit advantage plans uh, can, can solve a problem for a veteran that, that the, the TRICARE and TRICARE for Life does. That's what I would remark about that. No, thank you, Tom. And, and you, you, that's a great point because uh, sometimes, I mean, we do believe that as a veteran, you know, you will have your covered for the rest of your life and you can go to vet, you know, administration type, type of hospitals and things like that. And they do a great job and they work hard. And I know they've been putting a lot of changes. But in recent years, just before the pandemic, there's a lot of discussion about, you know, how our veterans would probably wait long term, a long uh, in time before they can get into a facility or get an appointment. And so some of these programs do kind of supplement that where now you can go outside of the veteran, you know, system and be able to still get, uh, you know, care and, and services uh, faster sometimes. But again, it is an addition, so you don't lose that. So that's the good news. You can actually combine, and it's a win-win. So again, for our veterans, you know, you have more than you can bargain for. Just know all your options, and you know, if you don't, 
you know, reach out to your local brokers and independents, you know, uh, agents, and they can help you uh, really decipher those those uh, those codes. And there's so many things and options, but they'll figure out for you what works best, and you can have a best you know uh, time with your health uh, coverage. And, and and that's the thing, we cannot use little coverage. We want more coverage if we can, and if you have the access and the ability to have it, just have it. Also, Tom, you mentioned big deal that the fact about you know. Uh, children, kids, not knowing you know, what their parents or grandparents have. Uh, we deal mostly, I mean, in the Medicare Advantage, we deal mostly with caregivers, and a lot of them are the children of these folks and or the proxies. And, uh, you know, uh, it's it's funny when we talk in training and sales, we say, you know, your audience is your Medicare beneficiaries, right? But really, your audience is everyone, because everyone knows someone that might not know someone that has Medicare. If it's not your parents, it's your grandparents. If it's your, it's your uncle, your friends, your neighbors, somebody you know in your world has Medicare. And believe me, mm -hmm. it's not always the seniors or the the 65 and over. There are people at Medicare who are much younger, uh, for whatever reason, they may uh, encounter some sort of disability in their life. And all it takes is 24 months with, with the, an approved disability and things like that. And they, they can document that. They can also qualify for Medicare at that early age. So, so again, the, it's, it's not, you know, there's a stigma that when we talk Medicare, it's always the uh, seniors or the 65 and over. But that's not necessarily the truth or the reality. There's more to it. And uh, there's other, actually, conditions to even become Medicare. And we're not going to list all that today. But, but there is, there's other things, right? So, so, Tom, let's talk about the long-term care. Mm -hmm. What I would share with you on that, you remarked, number one, I'm going to try to do, again, the stats are all challenging. Our stats kind of got screwed up from healthcare because we, we keep in track things. But what I'm going to say is half of people that are in long-term care is paid by Medicaid. That's So the other half, if you're not, in, if you're not uh, economically disadvantaged, then that's going to be you potentially. Then the number, I'm also going to use the number around one-third, again, one-third of the uh, adults are going to need some time of long-term care. And these days in the industry, that's defined like we talked about the trigger of a diagnosis for a cancer payout well the long-term care is when you can't do two of the six activities of daily living uh, eating and bathing and grooming dressing toileting incontinence or transferring moving out of bed once you can't do two of those typically a professional can diagnose you and say they need long-term care and so there's also numbers like i mentioned the, the the average cost of care for a cancer diagnosis well the cost of care They've got numbers on that right now. And now what I will say this, that that can vary state to state, but you know it's a few thousand a month, but it's expensive to be in these. There's different, there's there's a continuum of care. Nursing care is where there's 24-hour professionals. Then there's kind of assisted living. There's even independent living. But my point is, it's going to be expensive. It's expensive right now. And on average, people need, depending on what number you look at, about four years. So you're going to buy the average size or maybe go to six. But my point is, I'm a proponent of considering three to six years worth of monies associated for your long-term care. I'm a proponent of dialing in an inflation component as well, because if it's expensive now in 20 years, 30 years when you need it, it's going to cost more. So let's just use the number, whether you want to use $3,000, $4,000 a month, you need to be able to pay. So if I'm designing a policy for somebody, talk about it, let's investigate where things are, but potentially you want to have this policy so that for four years you can pay $4,000 a month right now, and or maybe you need to put that inflation component on there so it'll be a bigger number. Maybe it'll be $8,000 in 20 years. The earlier you buy this, the better off you are. I bought it. I'm, I'm in my 50s now. I bought it a few years ago, but I bought it in my 50s. I'm a proponent of getting in my 40s because it's actually cheaper in retrospect. I didn't understand the, the product as much, but I bought that. But that's, that's the thing. I'm a, I'm a customer of these solutions as well, but I'm a proponent of 
when you can buy a long-term care policy for you and or your spouse, buy it for around four years, uh, figure out in your area how much it's going to cost and probably go ahead and put an inflation adjustment on there. Pay a little bit more so that it'll grow over time. That's, those are my remarks I would say about long-term care. Thank you, Tom. And and, and really, uh, you, you hit on, on a big topic there because uh, everyone eventually, if we live long enough, we do tend to age. And as you age, there are things we are not able to do. And it's just very few are... You know, I guess lucky enough not to continue living, you know, to an older age with and with less complications or mobility issues. But eventually that becomes a valid reason to have some sort of a plan for it today. And, uh, you know, I see it every day. I mean, people actually we I, in my world, we do actually long term care pro, pro, policies, but we do it for the Medicaid, as you mentioned earlier. But but. It's the same case, uh, except that that's subsidized by the government, and so you have to have Medicaid for long-term care. But at the end of the day, whether you buy policy or the other one, uh, the concept is the same. So, but if you are, you know, you don't have Medicaid and you have, you know, a higher bracket income or income bracket rather, you know, then it is important to invest in those because if not, and it's self-pay. I've seen it. Self-pay can cost a lot more uh, when you have to actually have. Think about, you know. Uh, a home attendant with you 12 hours a day or more at $20 an hour average. So, you know, it pops up very quick and it adds up very quickly. And that's when you have, you lose your, you know, you start getting reverse mortgages, you can do other things, but then at the end of the day, you're just kind of depleting all your, you know, financial. So planning, financial planning, health planning, estate planning, all these things are important. Insurance planning is important. And the more you do of this early on, you know, the better you are. And hopefully you won't have to use any of it. But at least if something happens, you do have a backup plan and those are your backups, you know, and they should, you know, help you live happier within your family and stuff. Also, some of these things can also make you uh, live at home in a, in a comfort mm-hmm. because sometimes if you don't have these things, you wind up, you know, in a, maybe a facility and so on and so forth. But if you have policies, they send you home care, you know, and, and, and folks that can do your custodial stuff, whatever, assist you, take you out, do shopping. So it makes your life, you know, uh, very, you know, uh, at ease, at peace, you know, at a certain point without any problem. But again, these are things that you have to consider and everybody watching and listening uh, should be aware of what's available. And then if you want to be part of the industry and helping people and, and, and assisting them getting, you know, solutions to your point. And I like what you said, Tom, you are actually a client <laughs> and a customer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you understand it from, from firsthand. And by the way, I think everyone is a, is a customer to this because we all have insurance one way or the other. It's either mm-hmm. we have a, a commercial insurance, we buy insurance, we have something, uh, some sort of policy. And uh, at, at the best, we all have car insurance <laughs> or home mm-hmm. insurance. And they work almost the same concept, except that these are for your health. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there's nothing more uh, to me. Health is wealth, as I always say. Uh, so that's your priority number one. Tom, anything else you want to add today? Uh, you know, I think you've done a great job of covering a lot of things. I think I'll, I'll, I think I'll do a couple of not. That is, to your remark, I'm not a property and casualty guy. I partner with folks to do that. And that's the thing. Insurance, even within the health insurance space, I don't do everything. And so I try to find my niches and and expertise in there, and I work in those, and I partner. So I can either refer people or I'm looking for for people who want to do that. You talked about careers. So I I hope we didn't scare people off from this because at the end of the day, I wake up in the morning knowing I'm trying to help folks, really. And so it, it is good. So sales can be good and insurance can be good. 
you need to understand it and you need to take the right uh, approach perhaps. But I hope that I, I hope that we, the net discussion of this is a positive. In fact, people who are considering it career wise and considering it to purchase it. So I want to leave those. Um, the last thing, a mí me gusta mencionar que yo hablo español. Habrá gente escuchando, yo puedo atenderles en su idioma. So that is convenient for Spanish speaking parts of the state. So I like to, I like to throw that in there. Uh, and then finally, so I'm so grateful for your time. Uh, I would like I like to put the plug in there. My website, find me on social media. I'm on LinkedIn, Facebook, but it's Basie Insurance. So folks find me. But I'd love to connect to people just to, to be a resource. I think I think at the end of the day, we talked about this. Some of my best work is really just helping families understand. And so even I'll help people understand. And then guess what? I may get a referral from them. So in other words, anyone's sale really doesn't matter as much as kind of just building the goodwill and establishing your room to help. And over time, sales will come. That's my that's my closing for you. Tom, that's commendable, and I, I truly appreciate the, you know how you close that. Uh, that is the fact, and that is exactly where we are. I mean, again, um, I always believe that you know. Listen, I'm a proud salesperson. I you know lead sales. I've been in it all my life, and I have. I, I always say that I have DNA in sales. <laughs> well, I, my, I have a, a DNA, you know, chromosome, you know, pair somewhere additional in my body that is actually a sales one. But at the end of the day, you know. Uh, we are not selling, we are providing advice. We have benefit advisors more than actually just salespeople. And I, I like to always, that's why all my teams, you know, we don't refer to us, you know, as, as uh, salespeople, we refer to us as benefit advisors. And, uh, you know, as a matter of fact, I, I refer to us as licensed benefit advisors because, you know, it's, it's, we're not just, you know, uh, these, these guys that come out and, you know, and just put a table in the street and talk to you. We are, we go through a vetted process and uh, we're proud of that. It's not easy, uh, and and but but it's worth it because just the fact that we help a lot of people every day, I think that's a big deal. And yes, while we do that, we help ourselves, you know, in generating revenue and income and lifestyle. That's okay, but we're we do it in the best way, ethical way, and regulated, compliant way. And I think that's the, that's a big deal. But but you know, uh, thousands, if not millions, of people every day are utilizing our services in in, in the industry and uh, in the insurance world, and uh, you know. Maybe you hear every now and then there's 1.0001 percent of a case that happens where someone is is not doing the right thing. But those people do not last long in this industry, and they basically get uh, revoked, suspended, and even sometimes you know there's there's ramifications that are bad for them if they do bad. That's how heavily we are regulated. As I said, all the mm -hmm. the, the agencies from state level to federal level you know capture and cover these things, regulate, and compliance is uh, is at the, the the highest level when it talks about insurance policies and uh, insurance producers in general. So, so Tom, you, you're doing terrific and I love your attitude about, you know, how you feel about it and, you know, that you're helping people. And that's the, that you mentioned something very powerful from a sales, you know, tech strategy is that it's not about selling every day. It's about how many people you, you, you help, how, how many people you can deliver a good, you know, uh, information and insights and, and guidance. And then ultimately, if they like what you have, they will be more happy to actually enroll with you, sign up with you, or send you a referral. You know, you cannot sign up everyone, you cannot enroll everyone, but they might know someone that may be interested in your products, and mm -hmm. they will be more than happy to do that for you if they believe uh, that you're trustworthy and you're doing a good job. So that those are things. So there's nothing scary about this. If you want to get into the industry, please do so. There's plenty of room, plenty of opportunity. Uh, you know, Medicare, as you point, as you said, you're a Medicare guy it's it's the baby boomers are, are booming right now and thousands and thousands every day are turning 65 so there's plenty of folks that need assistance and guidance and education and so yes we can help more and more and uh 
you know, do it right. And Tom, I appreciate the, the idea that you actually mentioned the, the website stuff. Yes, do reach out to, to Tom. I will have uh, his uh, links and all the stuff on the uh, description of the show. So please feel free when you watch this or even listen to it on the radio, please, you know, you can click and, and see what, what that information is and contact him if you're in his uh, state of operations. So anything in those states in the Southern Corridor, that's, that's him. Please reach out. And I have to say, just off the bat, I, you know, I really love the fact that you've, you know, you and I connected because there are hundreds of brokers. I know many of them, I personally, and very few are doing what you're doing, <laughs> you know, so I commend you for doing that. And uh, that shows proactivity, it shows professionalism and a different level of understanding of, you know, you presenting your value out there. So thank you. Uh, that's from me to you. <laughs> thank you very much. I've enjoyed my time. I'm grateful and I think you've done a great job. And so everybody come on Hurricane Show. Everybody listen to Hurricane Show. I've had a good time. All right. Well, thank you, Tom. I appreciate it. Folks, thank you for being with us. Hope this uh, uh, show was very uh, worth it and uh, informative for you. There's a lot of stuff here. So uh, take it for what's worth. And uh, we'll be talking soon. Different guests, different show, different topic. Ciao for now. Bye-bye.